Hello, bookers. Welcome to What the Book Podcast, the newest hotspot for anything related to indie authors and the writing community as a collective whole. My name is Cynthia Sullivan. I'm an international best-selling author. My co-host is the supremely talented horror writer, Kay Banning-Callum. Hello. Hey, how you doing tonight, Cynthia? I'm fabulous. How are you? I am hanging in there. It's a, it's a pleasure to be in such um, prestigious company. Just, just me, just you, just me, just the listeners. <laughs> so here at What The Book, we want to not only showcase indie authors as an individual, but we also want to guide and give any guidance to any burning questions that the community as a whole might have. So feel free to either DM... Kay Banning Callum or myself if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer or of course uh, when we've given an indication of which guest author might be appearing on the next podcast if you have a specific question for them feel free to message us and we will get that answered without a problem. Sounds, that sounds fantastic. That's I love the sound of that. I love the sound. Uh, if you guys need to find me, I am always available on Twitter at Bannon K nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, send your questions my way uh, or centers, and we'll make sure we get to them. It's that easy. Yeah. So we did have some questions that I asked for earlier. We were going to pick a couple each. Did you want to start with that one? Sure. Um, oh, my cat had a question there, as you may have heard in the background. Um, it just wants to be part of the show. Uh, yeah, um, something that is always kind of a hot topic of mine and something that I've gotten into many a uh, sparring contest with across writing groups is the rules of writing. Uh, the question was, which ones are fake? And honestly, um, my, my take on that, very simple, is they're all kind of bullshit with the exception of two, which I live by, which is um, always maintain your suspension of disbelief and never break reader immersion. Those two kind of go hand in hand. Those yeah. to me are the only two rules that I go by. I don't know how you feel on that one. I think that there are certain grammatical rules that I think we should all obey per se. Um, I'm a fan of the comma and so forth on which we do get into a number of debates on Twitter about. Um, generally speaking, when it comes to the rules of writing, I'm a huge believer in listening to your inner voice. You have a story to tell. It's individual. It's unique. It's yours. And you should follow it to the T. Absolutely. I mean, I, I consider myself to be a storyteller first in all endeavors, a writer second, you know. Uh, Absolutely. If I could just travel around and, and uh, tell stories, I would do that in a heartbeat. Uh, but writing is kind of the process of how we make those portable. So I, I do agree with you on the grammatical side, obviously. And, and though that ties back in, you know, to me, as far as the reader immersion goes, if there's a ton of grammatical errors, that's going to disrupt you know, reader immersion. Correct. Uh, so. No, I think my you... rules. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. We're no, just going to get some kinks out when we're doing this. Your listeners are just going to have to have to bear with me. They're just going to have to deal with it. Um, but <laughs> no, um, 
I guess when I see, you know, I, I kind of have a problem with like the gatekeeping element that you see throughout the writing communities as a whole. You know, you always got these people that'll sit there, you know, and they'll say, hey, you know, well, how do you become a writer? Which I hate that question. I guess we could tackle that on the other end, too. Is like when people ask questions to writers, the really vague ones, like, how do I become a great writer? That is so fucking aggravating. But uh, no, um, the people that are just sit there and be like, and start writing. There you go. Done. Move on. Next how, do I, how do I become a great writer? <laughs> well, you start by being a writer and then be great at it. You know, yeah. so I don't know how am oh, I supposed I'm to out. I'm done. I'm out already. See? <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, it's stuff like that. I, but there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on with it. that's so aggravating. Some people say like, you know, oh, you have to read books all the time. And it's like, well, how the hell do you write? You know, if you're constantly reading at some point, think, you do have to, <laughs> you have to write. There's got to be a balance. Um, of course. I, I, whenever I'm writing, I'll always read off genre. I'm, uh, I can't read on genre for I have this innate fear of plagiarism, whether it, and absolutely so subconsciously, not on a, not on a conscious level, but I have this fear that if I was reading a paranormal while I was writing, a, it would infiltrate and I'd feel terrible. And I just, so I read off genre whenever I'm writing um, just to try and keep it very separate. Of course, of course. I mean, that that's something that, I mean, I don't even know, in all cases, how you would ever like really combat that hundred percent. I mean, we're all kind of writing from a composite of our experiences, True. which can include literature that we've read. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's certainly a fear. I think we all kind of have is that you're going to write this great story and then somebody's going to point out, holy shit, that's exactly like this other one. And it's like, well, now what do I do? Right. Uh, happened to a few people i know and i'm not naming names on that one so we're just gonna leave that one go uh, yes yeah that, so that's rules a, of writing back to rules of writing there are none follow your inner voice yeah i agree with that if if somebody says a particular genre is on the down and we shouldn't be writing it but that's the story that's in that's busting to get out i say put your fingers on that keyboard and start typing sweetheart damn right i mean how could you ever how could you ever create under somebody else's guise like that you know i mean you have to you have to be doing it yourself people are looking for your words your voice and uh yeah and genres change like you know i you watch the market you know what's selling at the time i get that i don't write to market i write what's inside me but i get the feeling i you know i get the knowledge of writing with what genres top topping at the moment but i also live by the fact that it's all circular. So everything's going to rotate at some point. Write the story that's inside you. It will take off when it's meant to take off. Yeah. Be a trendsetter. Don't be a trend follower. Trendsetter. I like it. I like it. Okay, so I've got who – did you you see who asked that question? I did not. Um, Let's see. We can, though. Let me uh, pull up the old Twitter here. I just want to acknowledge the listeners, hopefully, that they're going, oh, look, they spoke about me. It was a good question. Definitely, definitely a good question. And I hope that, um, I hope we were able to give a good answer. Oh, trying. It's only our first. They've got to give us a little leeway, yeah? Of course. Of course. Give me one second while I look through the notifications here. So much, so many responses. That must be so cool. You know, I'll tweet something and I swear to God, I'll get like, 
you know, like one like and one reply. You have just got everybody out here rocking and rolling. That is so cool. Here we go. This, that question came from Grant Pollard. Oh, awesome. That is a wonderful question. Thank you, Grant, very much. Okay, now the next question is that I chose was from Jalen Watkins. Um, Jay's a good friend of mine. She's actually my PA and I adore her. She's fabulous. Keeps me organized. I love her, love her, love her. Uh, so she asked, are there any messages that either one of us try to relay through our stories? Ooh, good question. Very good. That is a good question. Um, you want to go first or me? You can go first. Um, I think in my writing, I love uh, to tell very human stories, even if it's a very fantastic plot, you know, involving demons or crazy shit. At the end of the day, I, my message is always like that of the human spirit, uh, the human spirit's will to survive and adjust and overcome. And that's, uh, that's something I always try to really play hard into. No, nobody ever really wants to lay down and die in my stories. Oh, I like that. Thank you. So they fight against the odds no matter what. That's right. And, and sometimes they, uh, I, I would actually say about 50-50, they prevail. Um, some, of the, you know, uh, some of the comments I get on my own writing and reviews and things like that, are they really like the fact that as a horror writer, I'm not afraid to go into uh, happy endings and things like that. And that's, uh, there's nothing wrong with you know, writing in that. I mean, there's a big difference between horror and, say, like grim dark writing. And uh, I, I don't really do grim dark. So, you know, yeah, there's a really good chance that the asshole in my horror movies is going to uh, get his comeuppance in the end. I like it. Like it. Uh, with my stories, I do have a message generally. Um, especially if you look at the first in my series, my big series ones, uh, I write of acceptance. I write of tolerance. I write of, okay, so my first series of Halfway House, it's about a, a group of paranormal people who are dysfunctional. So you've got a witch who can't cast spells and a vampire who faints at blood and, and uh, a werewolf who's anemic because she's a vegetarian and all these sorts of creature, uh, creatures. And I put them all in one house and they all work out how to tolerate each other, accept each other, love each other and become each other's biggest cheer squad, no matter what. So I tend to have a message of love doesn't come from blood. It can come from bonds. I love that. And I love the fact that it also kind of reminds me of Rick Moranis's Gravedale High, which was a really awesome 90s cartoon. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know if anybody remembers that show or not, but it was great. I just, I like the idea that love isn't always family. It doesn't, you know, even in day-to-day life, we family different shapes and sizes and there's, there is some blood relation, there's some not, but that doesn't change how we love each other or we support each other. And I tend to bring, or oh, tend to try and bring that into my books that no matter what color your skin is your gender your orientation or your species everybody deserves to be loved i love that i absolutely adore that, oh, I'm that a is romantic at heart look at me oh that is a great message i adore that i love that you know i i'm i'm definitely in the right company 
Oh, I'm just a sucker for love. What can I say? Now, Rebecca, thank you, Jay, for that question. Um, our last question that I wanted to answer, and this one, I love this question. Uh, it's from Rebecca Ridge, uh, and she wrote negative reviews. We love negative reviews. God, we fucking love them. They're so great. She says they're part of the process. She gets that. But how do we not take them personally? Well, we do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know what's crazy is I was going to suggest we answer that question next. That's really cool that you picked it's, up on that one too. Oh, it's such a good question, especially for the indie author community. Negative reviews are going to happen. It's it's a part of a part of the process, as Rebecca said. And yes, we will take them personally because this is our word baby that we've spent months bursting through pain and agony and tears and sleepless nights to put out to the world for somebody to go one star fucking hate it excuse me i bet that how dare you you know of course we're going to take it personally yeah um the best kind of advice i've given on that because i've been on the receiving end of negative criticism i like everybody kind of has and People preach, you know, oh, you have to have this thick skin to be a writer, which is true. But I think the mistake that everybody makes in understanding what thick skin is, is that they believe that it means you're not going to be negatively impacted by those comments. Like you're not going to feel the sting anymore. And that's bullshit. You're always going to feel it. You know, unless you're writing technical manuals or some kind of, you know, nonfiction shit, or it's just like you're writing just to you know, write uh, VCR repair instructions or something. But now if you're writing fiction from your heart, then yeah, you're going to feel it. And to me, I always say thick skin is just the ability to keep going. It doesn't mean that the, that the, Oh my God, this fucking sucked zero out of five, whatever. That, that's never going to stop hurting you, but it's, it's no, not going to write a video review, a video like player stuff. There would still be somebody who would come on and go, Oh, you got it wrong. One star. Exactly. Doesn't matter. matter. You just got to keep going. That's thick skin. Is you just keep going. In my assessment, like you take the negative review. I love them. I swear to God, I feed off them. I I will say I don't get many, and I'm not trying to toot my own toot right now. But I don't get a lot of them. The ones that I do have have always been really interesting. Where I had one book where it was a vampire loved a centaur and i got a one star because it was bestiality even you told me about this oh my god (laughs) really technically would also be involved but that was okay bestiality with the centaur one star look it doesn't they don't bother me because everybody has an opinion you will not find ever on the entire world one book that everybody agrees on won't happen flat out never gonna happen so don't try to write to please everybody you are setting yourself up for failure you are setting yourself up for heartbreak so just stop it you know write for you write your story you love it people will love it you have to be willing to take a chance i'm not even i don't even know why i write every people (laughs) not every person but people will love it people will come to you they will see the way you form your words, they will get the emotional contact that you've put into this story connect with you. Exactly. As long as you're writing honestly and fearlessly, 
Because I, I kind of feel like the minute you start trying to curate your writing to avoid negative feedback is the minute that you're going to be seen as kind of a fraud. Yeah. You know, because you're not, you're, you're not writing to your truth anymore. Now you're just writing to try to get, you know, five-star ratings. Now, now you're going to get a lot of one-stars because people are going to see it as, as, as vapid. Uh, you just have to be bold. Always. Are you being authentic to yourself if you're writing to please the masses? Exactly. Oh, See, this is a debate that can that can flare up quite interestingly. Uh, I guess it's depending on whether you're writing to market, which you would want to be writing to please the masses because you're trying to make massive sales on a particular wave crest at that time, or are you writing to please your soul, in which case your readers will be authentic, they'll be loyal, and they will follow you to the end of the earth for every single word you write. Damn right. Very true. Very, very uh, true you indeed. You have to pick your side of the coin as to which way you want to fly. Well, I think if you even, I think anybody that has ever gotten to that level where they are writing for market, though, I think they got there because they wrote authentically first and that got everybody's attention. It might kind of be a trap, you know, um, in a lot of ways, but. You know, I don't think anybody would, I don't think the market would reach out to a complete no name and say, hey, we're going to pay you a ton of money to write, you know, these very specific stories to appeal to these, you know, very specific demographic of a reader. Absolutely. So, I was watching an interview the other day regarding this sort of thing where I don't know if you've seen the movie, it was a book and now it's in Netflix. Was it Netflix or it went on TV? The Handmaid's Tale? Have you seen that? I have not. Ah, okay. So this woman wrote this book 30 years ago and it became a bestseller and like movie or series, like mega star only over the last couple of years. And yet she wrote it 30 years ago, which is phenomenal and gives me hope. <laughs> yeah, that is the. It have to happen overnight. You can keep plugging away. That is very true. I mean, and ultimately, I mean, especially within the independent writing world now, it's like so few of us can write full time right now. You know, almost everybody has to have some kind of a job or side gig that, I mean, you never know when you're just going to get home from work one night and that little book you put out there two or three years ago, all of a sudden has a huge spike in interest or popularity. I mean, those those things do happen. I mean, I know people, I think everybody kind of expects this immediate gratification now where it's like you publish it and you're an instant hit. And I think that's where you see a lot of writers kind of fall off the motivation because that doesn't happen. But I mean, it yeah, can I come. Publish. It, Why am it, I not a millionaire? No, I don't right. <laughs> it, it can come later though. It, it just takes the right set of eyes getting on your work and going, holy shit, I can do something with this. Right, and, right and if you keep writing and you keep putting them out there, then I think sooner or later, the right place, right time, right set of eyes, anything's possible. Well, law of averages for sure. The more you put out there within your style, then yeah, the, the better the odds are going to get of that right set of eyes finding it. I mean, if you put out one book and just sit back and wait, you know, then those odds are that much higher that, no, that you know, you're not going to be found. But it is rare. Exactly. So I'm just chucking out the books. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. something will happen. 
but it's all about you know I think staying true to you screwing the rules I'm a big rule follower generally in life anyway me neither me don't neither worry all about I... reviews just write your books uh, unless your reviews are saying you know there's constant grammatical errors or something like that perhaps check that out but if it's just well, yeah. like I don't like that story okay that's nice but you bought my book you cared enough about it to review it so as an author I win um yeah I think grammatic the grammatical side of it is just it's kind of almost just a different side of the house altogether I mean you know the creative side and the grammar side like I said if I could be a storyteller and just go around and tell stories nobody really cares that much when you're telling a story if you're speaking in perfect goddamn english you know i mean especially if anybody's ever sat down and heard me talk with all the new orleans patois and fucking dialect <laughs> and, and everything else that i use you know but i think that to to a reader i suppose grammar errors would be like too many stutters or stammers in verbal storytelling you know what I'm saying? Like if somebody's trying to tell a story and they're like, uh, so the ghost, um, it came out of the, uh, you know, from around the, uh, that would kind of break story immersion. And I think Absolutely. that's kind of what grammatical errors are to a reader. It's not so much that it, the story's not any good. It's just not being delivered, you know, in the best way possible. That's right. I completely agree. Um, as I do an um, <laughs> I think I should, I don't know. Uh, it's it's listening to what could possibly be something you need to listen to a review and then disregarding stuff that is perhaps more of a personal opinion. Well, I think there, there too is such a big difference between solicited reviews and unsolicited reviews. Um, you know, if I reach out to somebody who I know is going to be harsh because that's their style, and I say, look, man, just give it to me. I don't care. I know how you, I know how you critique. I don't give a shit. I want everything you got. Then I can't get pissy when they come back and just absolutely freaking lay me down. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And that way then, though, you go back. Well, you pick yourself back off the ground because you've then had a cry because they ripped apart your book. And then you go, okay, I can make it better. I've got this. Ah. And you yeah, go, and, and- and to the reviewers out there, I will say this. I mean, critiquing is a skill just as much as writing is a skill. And if you are, if you're somebody who is a serial critiquer, if you like to go around and review everything, then you can definitely hone that skill as well. I mean, it, critiques should be actionable. I always say that. Don't just jump in there and say this was fucking garbage because what the hell is the writer supposed to do with that? Yeah. You know, I mean, give actionable feedback. If it's grammar, then say that. Say, hey, you might want to invest in a thesaurus or you might want to invest in fucking, you know, pro writing aid or Grammarly or some shit like that. Um, that's actionable feedback. You're, you're, you're stating a problem and you're also offering a possible solution as opposed to just saying, I didn't like this. It was boring. Well, what the fuck do I do with that? How do I? Okay, I'm going to make it 10% more exciting, motherfuckers. Don't worry. I got <laughs> Yes, well, you could. You could. Um, I I completely agree. I think if you're going to put a review up, then make it, um, make it uh, have some meat to its bones, give the author something to work off instead of just trying to kneecap them. 
Exactly. Kneecapping don't work nowhere unless it's like, unless you're writing a mafia novel and you're just like, oh, you I need to kneecap them more. <laughs> no horse's heads in my bed. Thank you. Um, exactly. I think sometimes it can also come from a, a place of jealousy, but that might be for another podcast. Um, oh, yeah. You see that. I, I've actually I've seen that in my own reviews where people will be like, oh, there's these other stories that I put out there that just nobody fucking comments on. But this trash writer. And it's like, yeah. yeah, you can definitely tell where there's some personal shit going on. Yeah. In which case, you just start it. Um, as much as you do, you do take reviews personally. And I don't. I'm one of those writers that don't actually read reviews very often. I don't think reviews are there for authors. I think reviews are there for other readers. And very, even in saying, I, as a reader, I don't read reviews. I'll read the blurb. I'll look at the cover and go, eh, my kind of book. That's it. Or I'll yeah. be on Twitter and I'll see somebody talking about it and I'll go, oh, God, I've got to read that because it sounds great. That's a really good point you make there too because a lot of reviewers go in like they think they're going in as a beta reader. And it's like, look, the fucking book is already out there. So all this like, you know, well, you should have done this. You should have done this. Like, great. I could have used that advice before I published. <laughs> but now it's kind of like you got to understand I'm not going like to go back in and rewrite this for you. Yeah. Uh, I suppose you just got to oh, take them with a grain of salt most of the time because they are not there for you. They are there for other readers. That is very true. I think with the indie artists too, it's like we are so directly, you know, accessible to readers. You know, back in the day, if, if, if Stephen King wrote a novel and somebody, you know, he wasn't sitting there getting emails saying, oh, hey, you know, this person said this about your No, he fucking didn't even know probably unless somebody took the time to write into his P.O. box or something. Yeah, uh, but for actual mail mail, oh my goodness. Yeah, but we're so, <laughs> we're so naked in that sense when it comes to reader feedback you know we're getting direct feedback from the readers which is something kind of new in literature definitely something of the last i'd say 15 years with social media and everything and which is fantastic uh, and horrible at the same time that's a double exactly edit. it really is you, you know we put ourselves out there because we want to connect with people yet Sometimes those connections can can leave a little sour tang, but you know it's all part of the writing process. Hopefully. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of um, of things that are sour and sweet and everything, somebody brought this up to me the other day, and I said I was gonna. I promised them I would mention it to you, but apparently oh. there is an Australian candy called I think Tim Tams or something. What about Tim Tams? I was told that they're fucking amazing and um, that I should pass that on to you. If you like chocolate biscuits with chocolate filling covered in chocolate, then yes, they are. A friend of mine was talking about them. If you bite one end and then you bite the other end and you put one, it sounds really kinky, bite one end and then you bite (laughs) the other end and then you put one end in your glass of milk, you can suck it up through the gap in the middle of the biscuits and you get a rush of chocolate milk flavor. It's called the Tim wow, Tam they, Slam. They do. I'm going to have to tell her about that. I don't know if she knew about the Tim Tam Slam. but Tim uh, Slam. I, no. Over there now, though. I possibly think you can order just about anything now, yeah. Possibly not as many flavors as we get in Australia. Uh, I think you might only get 
you know, three or four different flavours, but there's probably about 20 different flavours in Australia of Tim Tams. Well, that goes out to my friend Christina. She is okay, um, she is from Norway. Tim Tam Slam for you. Yeah, oh my, she would love that. She because she didn't even mention the slam part, but no, she is uh, she is from Norway, and we were talking about um, different uh, stuff that they do over there, their their snacks and things like that. And she brought up Tim Tams, and I said, well, you know, I am a co-host on a podcast with an Aussie, and I will make sure I bring those up to her. That would be. It's a good. They're a good biscuit. If you like chocolate, they're they're good. I love how y'all call. We call them cookies over here. I guess. So I always get. I'm your, always have, your biscuits are like savory, though, aren't they? Our biscuit. What we call a biscuit is yeah something that goes in the you oven. It's similar. To, it's kind of like a roll. It's a scone. I I guess. <laughs> I gotta think. I make sure I know exactly what we're talking about with scones here. But yes, uh, we definitely have different meanings for cookies, biscuits. Um, do y'all even have the term cookie? Yeah, but we don't use it very often. Well, yeah, no, we don't use cookie very often. It's more of a biscuit, and then our scones and our rolls or whatever from that point on. See, I have this discussion sometimes with jelly too, because your jelly is jam. And our jelly is jello to you, I think. Something like That's that. That's so cool. I mean, I know we've had the discussions about the bats and the flying foxes, and, and there's like an obsession with them over here. With bats? Well, with the flying fox bats, especially. Um, there's all these YouTube videos where, you know, people are like nursing them back to health. Apparently, there's a big thing where they get caught in lines and stuff out there, I guess. They and- hit me off. I swear to God, at any given point at night, we will have, because um, we've got quite a few colonies around where I live, we will have uh, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, fly over at sunset and sunrise. And the little bastards get to my mango tree before I do. And then when they get the mangoes, not only do they not completely eat the mango they will drop the mango on my ground and let it rot ungrateful little bastards they see they're, they're so cute they figure they can get away with it i guess they cannot yeah. leave my mangoes alone <laughs> <laughs> be sure to pass that on to them if i if i see any i'll be like hey y'all <laughs> i do go out there and say Buckles, get away scoot oh, and they do uh, and they get into the trees and they fight and they scream and they squeal. And they're not as cute as you would think. They're very noisy. But, you oh, know. That's so funny. It's so funny. I, you know, I, I only know them for their YouTube fame. So you know them oh, on a whole different level than I do. Ones. Those cute little baby ones are lovely. But, all right. So I'm going to think that we might be pulling this to an end yeah i think if you're if you're happy i'm happy i'm happy i'm thinking this is a good first podcast i haven't said you beauty i haven't said <laughs> you be right mate i haven't said anything like that yet so i think we might um pull it to an end yeah i hey I, I, a good it's always good to know when the job is done absolutely My name's Cynthia Sullivan, of course, so I hope you guys come back and visit us again soon on What the Book.
And I am Kay Bannon Kellum. I will be around as the faithful co-host and uh, peddler of my schlock horror for as long as you will have me. Oh, I think we'll keep you. Yeah. All right. So I will talk to you next week. I will. We will work out, you know, next week is Mardi Gras. So we might have to work around that. We shall I see. Might, the big... I might have a standing host on day on week two already. <gasps> Already, we might have to call in. Might have to call in to help. Man, that's right. It's it's um it's Mardi Gras down here in New Orleans, which means that my time beads, is going beads to beads everywhere. Beads everywhere, indeed. But I will be boobs? the regular guy, huh? Beads and boobs is that not Mardi Gras? That is it. You you okay. got it. Beads and boobs. I so got to make a Mardi Gras one day. That would be epic. It's a lot of fun. I, I highly recommend everybody try it at least once. I'm completely jealous. All right. I will see you next two weeks then. All right. Thank you very much. Listeners. It was a pleasure. Go on. Sorry. No, I think it was a pleasure being here. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And all the listeners, I will see you next Saturday. Oh, Sunday, 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 Saturday. Meh. Whichever way our time zone works. All right. I will say bye. Good night.